welcome to Teacher Zion Podcast. Welcome to the Pulse Podcast. Today we have the pleasure of uh, interviewing and speaking with Douglas Hatton. No, he is not Santa Claus Kids. He has this beautiful beard. (laughs) And he is, I would say, just as jolly. (laughs) I, I just have really enjoyed um, listening and and I guess I should preface this by saying how how we came to know each other of each other. This is our first time meeting face to face, but um, I just have to give a little background. So welcome, Doug, and thank you so much for being willing to come and yeah. let me ask you some questions. <laughs> yeah, uh, turnabout's fair play, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm always that's interviewing and. Uh, so when you just you were telling me you wanted to interview me, you felt like you were led to do that, I guess. And uh, I thought, well, that's a strange thing. I never, I never think about myself being interviewed. So it took a while for me to process yeah. that idea. But yeah. yeah, I mean, well, I'll just I'll just tell you. So um, I I am LDS and mm-hmm. I am still active. And I had I I just got released. I had a calling as State Union's <laughs> second counselor. So part of our responsibilities are to go um, throughout the stake and visit different wards. And sometimes we are assigned to speak. And at the beginning of the year, I looked through the topics and when I would be assigned to speak. And one of the topics was uh, priesthood, power, keys and authority. And I just thought, ooh, (laughs) I have so many questions about that Mm -hmm. and have for a very long time. And so... I, I figured I, I better start studying and I better get really clear on this because, yeah. you know, I, I can go to the church website and I can see all the definitions, but um, what do I believe? What is in the scriptures? And, exactly. and that's, that's kind of been my quest lately is when I have questions, I take them to God and then I go to the scriptures and um, anyway, what was fascinating to me is that as I was praying about these things, and it was probably oh more than a week or so of studying um, about priesthood, power, authority, and keys. And what was what was gradually being unfolded to me is uh, just it's not in the scriptures. I, I didn't know where I looked up keys first, yeah. and I was like. This really isn't a scriptural concept, at least in the Bible and Book of Mormon. And then YouTube in its magical AI way, (laughs) I I clicked on YouTube one day and there was your podcast on Is Priesthood Even a Thing? Oh, yeah. And I I really try to be prayerful in um, what I listen to. And oftentimes God will answer my prayers with YouTube. He's like, go to YouTube, listen to this and... You know, if not an answer, then at least something to chew on and to talk to him about, right? Yeah, so, exactly. So I was blown away, blown away by the fact that you went through m- many of the scriptures. Like, I should say, I went through many of the scriptures that mm-hmm. you used, that yep. you were talking about and referring to, that the Spirit had shown to me. And that I found through my my searches, and I mean, a lot of the concepts were already there in my mind, but just the ability to 
that you had to make it simple and you know your your podcast is called teacher in zion and i would say that that is definitely what i felt is i felt like this man is teaching me about what the spirit was trying to convey um yeah. So anyway, that was my introduction to you, and then of course I listened to everything. That's quite <laughs> that's just... quite an introduction. That's a that's a place to start for sure. <laughs> that had to have been. Was that a struggle, um, or did it feel like pieces just were falling into place for you? Like, oh, now everything makes sense. Or I was yeah, just wondering. You know, um, it, it's kind of about ten or fifteen years ago. I would say I had another kind of episode where I took out my belief box and did an inventory. Mm-hmm. And um, priesthood was definitely on that list of questions. And so for me, it felt like the pieces just came together because I had a few pieces yeah. already laid down and understanding. Yeah. I I knew that, that women do have power in Christ and, mm-hmm. you know, we do have authority. And I just didn't really know, like, scripturally where that fit in until yeah. I heard your podcast. That's how the that's how the Lord works. I mean, usually when you're ready to receive a truth, the Lord's actually been working a long time in just small little ways and just preparing you, you know. So yeah, so yeah. yeah so that's our introduction, and I yeah. have just very. And the interesting thing is, it's not only you. Like, because I found you, then the magic of YouTube yes. you know, led me to other people <laughs> yeah. that I think you know of or you know now. Uh-huh. I do now um, know them, yeah. Which is so fascinating. Yeah. That uh, multiple people are asking these questions and God is being so generous to give us. It was interesting. I, I literally thought that I must be the only one saying these things. You know, I just thought, no mm-hmm. one, I've never heard these things before. And I'm sharing these things with some trepidation. And all of a sudden, you know, I come across the Restored Gospel podcast, I think it was. And my wife and I are like, oh, look at this. And someone, I think someone mm-hmm. suggested it. You should listen to this. Mm-hmm. And that they're saying some similar things. And I came across, um, I think, Jacob Esbell and uh, Hemlock Knots. And all these things just suddenly mm-hmm. came out. And it was, you know, at first when I was listening to Restored Gospel podcast, I was like, oh, this guy's doing all the same topics I'm doing, you know, he'd done it before me, but I had no idea. <laughs> so it was like, Amazing. oh, so you're not alone after all. There are yeah. other people. I'm not crazy after all. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. <laughs> Isn't that confirming? When you realize, <laughs> it okay, is nice. Yeah. It's okay that other people are asking too. I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to go out on a limb and be with the Lord. I've done it many times where it's just me and the Lord, or at least it seems like it anyway. Especially when you're in a smaller community of people and you're the only person uh, ready to hear that truth at that time. Uh, it can be, I'm, and I'm fine with that. Um, that can be lonely, but yeah, this is with this age of all these YouTube videos, podcasts, and all that kind of stuff. It's really nice to have the comfort of knowing that other people are receiving the same types of answers from the Lord and that he's carrying, he's taking them down the same path and all that. And so, yeah, it is very nice for sure. It's amazing. It's miraculous in my mind. It's a blessing. Yeah. I mean, literally those verses that I had written down in my journal and questions Mm -hmm. that were answered. 
it was just it was just miraculous to me so i would love i i have i have a group of women that i meet with every sunday over zoom and um i also of course shared these videos with them and we've been discussing and talking and and they're like, no way, you get to talk to Doug. And I'm like, I don't know how this happened. It's just me with my crazy ideas. And I promised the Lord that if when I had ideas that that came to my mind that I would immediately act. I don't know when that happened, but but I just it seems like the more you act, the more things come and yeah. more opportunities. So I'm super grateful. You're kind of like an icon, but not really because we're studying Isaiah. So we're like getting rid of our idols and our, yeah. you know, and like, oh, yeah. we, can't, we can't have that in our lives. So anyway, we, we are all, all of us are on this quest for, for truth and for Jesus and, yes, you know, repentance and coming. So I know that they're all dying to hear your story and mm. I would love to just start there. Like, Okay. <laughs> what led you on this journey? Where were you born? You know, we've heard bits okay. and pieces, but mm-hmm. let's let's start. Let's dig into uh, it. Okay. Well, I'm I was born in Michigan, and I uh, I was born and raised. Um, well, I was raised in Ohio and Michigan, back and forth. Uh, so I have my dad's side of the family in Ohio, Southern Ohio, and then in Michigan, my mother's side of the family, and so I, I spent a lot of time in both those states, and. Uh, you know, I don't remember my par- my parents went to the RLDS church. Um, I don't remember particularly religious growing up. You know, I went to church. I went to Sunday school. I sat in church and tried not to laugh or get in trouble or mm-hmm. goof around with my friends or whatever. So I didn't get in trouble with my dad. But I don't really remember a lot about God. Um, but... Yeah. Were they were they like first generation RLDS or does this no? Um, it goes back a few generations at least, um, back to great grandfather I think. Or yeah. was he the first to enter? And how? Yeah, I how think did so. It would the... it would have been after the it would have been after the RLDS um, formed and all that. So I think they probably came in. I'm going to be honest. With you, I think probably the uh, early, real early 1900s is probably when. Uh, family okay. entered in. So, can you, before you get into your personal, can you mm-hmm. just clarify for everyone? Because I grew up in Utah, and I rarely heard anything about the RLDS. I yeah. think I was aware of it vaguely, but mm-hmm. I don't even know the history. I really don't. I don't. Every I know there was every missionary that ever came to my door, and I always invited them in. Mm-hmm. Um, were no, they never knew there was any other church or anything that believed in the Book yeah. of Mormon. It was yeah. amazing. Now that I'm an independence, there's enough. There are so many restoration people in independence mm-hmm. that if missionaries have spent any time in independence, they, they become aware of, oh, there are these other groups. But, yeah, if mm-hmm. you're in another part of the country, it's like, it, and I always wonder, like, so I guess they didn't tell you guys anything about mm-hmm. us, you know, <laughs> I, I'm sure it's there, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like talked about like in Sunday school or yeah. primary, like, no, this is the only yep. true church. That's all I ever heard yep. growing up. So church so, was just church for me when I was real young. I didn't know there was really any difference between us and other churches when I was very mm-hmm. young, mm-hmm. you know, as you get older you become aware of the fact that we have a Book of Mormon and that some people think we're Mormons. 
And then if they think you're a Mormon, they think you believe in polygamy or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there are certain iconic ideas that people have that, you know, Mormonism is associated with. And a lot of those are not great ideas. They're, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're not so great things that you mm -hmm. don't want to have to be defending against. Um, so the weird thing about if you grew up RLDS is that you spent your life trying to either hide what church you're going to, like you never wanted to have to say the name of your church because then you would have to explain because they would just assume, oh, you mean you're a Mormon? I'm like, no, 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 we're we're not the Mormons. And this is probably the worst thing about growing up RLDS is the best way to describe us is we are not the Mormons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that that, so that was part of our identity is we're not the Mormons. And we were always yeah. trying to make sure people knew, well, we're not Mormons. No, we don't, you know. And that's a, just though, a bad way to. Yeah, it's sad. Not, it's not a great not, way to. <laughs> Yeah, it was more about what we weren't rather than what we were uh, mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, so yeah. RLDS, from what I understand, Emma stayed behind. And there were some men who kind of waited for her son to become old enough. And then he mm -hmm. was appointed prophet. Is that, am I understanding that right? Uh, Well, yeah. So there was, there were some that knew that, I guess that, that Joseph had supposedly appointed his son at some point. Now, Joseph had appointed a number of people at different times. Um, he had appointed David Whitmer at one point. But, of course, mm -hmm. when David Whitmer was, well, he left the church, and then they kicked him out of the church after he left. But mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure at that point that was revoked, right? But that mm -hmm. was why a lot of people went to David Whitmer when Joseph Smith died, because they witnessed him laying his hands on him saying, when I am gone, you will be my successor. And mm -hmm. so there was a whole Whitmerite group uh, trying to get formed. And he ultimately ended up rejecting that. He decided he wasn't going to be the leader of the next church. So that sort of diminished and went away because without their guy, you know, they didn't have anything. Yeah. Um, David uh, Joseph Smith III was a reluctant prophet. He was a reluctant mm -hmm. leader. He did not want anything to do with it. He saw what had happened to his father, to his family, yeah. He all what how his mother had been treated, um, and then all these accusations of polygamy and stuff. And I know one of the things he had to do is he had to just search it out and find out, did Joseph Smith commit polygamy? Uh, did his father do that? And he searched it and searched it and searched it. And finally, he came to the conclusion that he couldn't really find any actual evidence that seemed like actual evidence just mm -hmm. hearsay mm -hmm. and he decided that he hadn't but he had to decide some of those things the church was trying to form without him with the expectation that he would step into that role and that was okay. that way for some years yeah. and they even had a revelation that to go ahead and organize the church um on whatever level they they could and to wait for joseph and so they did um and eventually he stepped into it he ended up probably being probably the the best prophet that the church had had. And, and now I'm going to, that's the word we use prophet. Um, yeah. He did receive some revelations, um, but I would just say he was, um, he was a good, a wise, uh, kind man. Mm -hmm. And he had no desire for power. So I'll say that much about him. Yeah. And that, I appreciate that about him. Um, you don't get a lot of, yeah. You have to have a lot of worry when you read anything he ever wrote or received. It's pretty legit. Um, he had no desire for power, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, what just it, a humble what I find is fascinating moving here, um, 
we moved to Missouri about two years ago, and we had lived, I grew up in Utah, my husband in California, and we had lived in Idaho and Utah, so mm-hmm. very much uh, like Utah Mormon centric. Mm-hmm. I have lived in other places. I served my mission in the Dominican Republic and lived in Wyoming for a little while for school. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm just amazed that until I came here, I really did not understand how much people identify my church with polygamy. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're sitting watching a volleyball game in Kentucky. And we're talking to the people next to us, and they hear we're from Utah, and they immediately mm-hmm. ask my husband, oh, where's your other wife? And we're all joking about it and yeah. laughing about it. But I'm just like, it, it was so shocking to me. The other thing that was shocking was to hear of all of the branches and splinters and and breakoffs. I yeah. had no idea. I yeah. mean, I'd heard of the RLDS, and I had also visited you know, the the visitor center in Kansas City, but it was mm-hmm. always with this like disdain, like, oh, there's them over there. <laughs> yeah, those so other people. Just, <laughs> it was just so sad. I feel so sad. And uh and then I met Kimberly Smith and she mm-hmm. lives in my state here. Mm-hmm. And somehow through the magic of the internet we connected and I have an interview with her on the polls. And this was okay. actually her idea from okay. the start. So we were going to do all these interviews and she she branched off in a different direction. Mm-hmm. I think she's actually doing tours right now for the summer. Okay. okay. She teaches school and she's doing tours. So anyway, I, I'm curious to know that that was just so shocking mm-hmm. to me. And she shared with me about the Temple Lot group, which I yeah. did not even know existed. I didn't know anything her. about them until later in life. And then I became closely yeah. associated with a lot of people from there. Interesting. Uh, in something called the Unity Movement that it, okay. our church participated in, and that was that was good. That was an eye opener. Uh, they were the ones that kind of introduced us to, well, David Whitmer's point of view on certain things um, mm-hmm. and questioning some of our our beliefs that we have long held in the RLDS Church. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so there were some good things there. Not that we agreed with every aspect of how they believed, but uh, we definitely found out that uh, lo and behold. Well, I'm going to tell you, I, I had this experience uh, at this unity um, effort. And what it was is there were so many people who broke off and they couldn't accept each other's authorities or they were afraid about what someone was teaching versus someone else. And there was just, you know, people mm-hmm. kind of got their own little fiefdoms or little kingdoms, their congregations or their little groups or multiple congregations came together and they had their leaders. And I just think there's there's always that power grab type idea you have all these good people, good, honest people, uh, but also you do have some people that just general, uh, generally gravitate towards, well, I, I feel like I should lead these people. I feel like I have what it takes. And mm-hmm. so you got a lot of these people with their own ideas and divisions o- occur. And I was at a unity gathering with people, not only of RLDS, different RLDS backgrounds, but also like, for example, the temple lot. And, mm-hmm. and we started to struggle with, um, could we take communion together? Mm-hmm. And that took a while. And we were able to take communion together because that was a big thing in our LDS. Like you, you don't, someone has to be baptized and all that with one authority in our church, basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> or you don't yeah. get to take communion. And, uh, but I was, I went to one of these meetings in Geneseo, Illinois, and I was, I was coming down with something. By the time I got to Geneseo, Illinois, 
I was not feeling well. I was in my 20s, and I was not late 20s, and I was not feeling well at all. And I was coming down with something. I was like, oh, man, Lord, I don't feel good, and I, I need help here. And there were some men up on the stage uh, at this worship gathering prayer. And one of them was a guy from the Temple Lot Church. And his name was Peter. And I didn't know him at all. But I said, Lord, I need to be administered to. And I said, and I would like for that man to administer to me. And if he carries any kind of authority, um, then I would like to be healed that I would know. Because it was a question in my mind. So here I wanted to be healed, but also I had this question in my mind. Do, does this other church? Because yeah. we'd always been the one true church mm -hmm. to the exclusion of anybody else. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is it was just uh, maybe five minutes later or less, this guy got up and I was just sitting out in the church congregation somewhere. And he put a chair out and he beckoned for me. He looked directly at me and beckoned me to come up and sit in the chair. And I sat down and he got out his oil and I've never had so much oil put on me in my entire life. It, it dripped all the way down. It was going down my, my face. It was like, you know, <laughs> I don't know if that's a tradition in their church or what, but I was like, wow, you know, but I was healed completely. And so that answered that question. The Lord answered that question. He arranged that whole thing. So, yeah. So that would, was... that, would that have been like a faith healing or did you recognize that as this guy being authorized by God? He was directed by the Holy Spirit to mm -hmm. put out a chair and ask me to come forward when I never mm -hmm. asked for prayer. Yeah. I didn't ask for prayer. No one knew I was getting sick. No, nobody mm -hmm. knew anything. I'm just sitting there just secretly gone. praying this. Mm -hmm. And this is just one of many experiences the lord has given me where he kept expanding and saying guess what i have servants over here guess what i have yep, servants over yep. here and finally he took me to outside of any restoration at all hmm. and had me see demonstrations of power where i would personally know without any doubt that these people have authority now i you know, we always used the word priesthood in yeah. our LDS church, whatever. But I, you know, David Whitmer, said, we only use the word authority and authority. I have come to understand is when a person has a relationship with God and he's directing something that's authority. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Uh, he's got a lot more, his church, his people is much bigger than just our, our little world of that, where we're at. That, and is, that's, that is something that, that is new for me. Um, yeah how the scriptures define church you know and uh it, i've always had questions about that i've always had questions i remember living in wyoming and living in idaho and seeing people outside mm -hmm. of my faith that had good marriages and good families and you know seemed to be following christ and i always wondered about that i wondered what would happen to their marriage can they not you know i i remember asking my mom something about that but it's always been kind of just didn't really make sense to me yeah that you know but i was a missionary and so i explained to people well yeah eventually god will take care of their ordinances and they'll be done properly and, yeah you know that was always the explanation and then come to find out you guys have the same explanation in the rlds so, exactly you know, which yeah. is, and I grew like... up with demonstrations of authority. I grew up with healings. Mm -hmm. 
I, I heard tongues and interpretation tugs one time in church when I was young. I see that's foreign to me. Don't know. Yeah, about that. Uh, yeah. church camp, youth camp. Um, you know, we're all having fun. We're there to go canoeing and swimming and take classes and all that kind of stuff. But then we would have these campfires, and at some point they would turn serious and they were worship songs. And and I remember this guy, I guess an elder in the RLDS church, standing up and. He began to speak, and I was like, something's different here. And I realized he wasn't speaking for himself, and he was it was God mm. speaking directly to the kids there, and it was powerful. I didn't know what to do with it. I really had never had that experience up mm -hmm. to that point when I was young. Um, but, you know, we had these experiences. I remember walking away with my cousin, and, and I had tears in my eyes, and I remember thinking, what is this? And he's he's like, I don't know. You know, and, and I remember saying, maybe this is the spirit. You know, that was, I think, my first real encounter at that age uh, with the Holy Spirit in that way. But, you know, I said, I said my parents didn't seem overly religious from what I could tell when I was real young. I think they had mm -hmm. marital issues they were battling with and uh, they did get divorced when I was when I was young. And that was kind of mm -hmm. tough. Mm -hmm. Um like but, how old were you? How young? Oh, I I was like ten, I think, okay. when they eight or nine or ten. They started having problems. I think when I was around eight years old, they were mm -hmm. separated by the time I was like ten or twelve, and then uh, my mother moved to Michigan, and so I didn't have my dad in my life very much, except for when I would go see him. Okay, um, that makes But sense. I remember my mother at this point. She must have felt I needed something in my life, and she saw these little books and they were they were uh illustrated little sh book short stories basically like uh daniel in the lion's den jonah mm -hmm. and the whale mm -hmm. uh nishak radshak and abendigo and she would she would be buying these like once a week she would buy one of these and she would sit and read to me in bed or we'd read it together mm -hmm. and i think that's it that was the earliest memory where instead of just going to church and hearing people talk about God and you don't really know, I mean, you're just, you, you accept it, but you're not really having an experience, I guess. Mm -hmm. But when I started reading these stories, I just accepted them 100%. Like mm -hmm. I knew they were true. Hmm. And I guess I always saw myself as we're all supposed to be like that. We're all supposed to have these experiences with God. Mm -hmm. It's normal. And this is what you expect when you have experiences within God. Um, I think that really affected my traje trajectory, I guess, in life. Yeah. Is that were these I, all Bible stories or were they Book of Mormon? They were Bible or? stories. Yeah, okay. they weren't Book of Mormon. Um, okay. I really wouldn't know the Book of Mormon that well until I had my conversion experience. And then I read okay. it cover to cover. I mean, I knew stories in the Book of Mormon here and there and all that. But I wasn't super familiar with it. So did they, they use the Book of Mormon in the RLDS church, right? They to do. teach and to have, okay. Yeah. So, but they it do. was just not something like when I grew up, we were like reading the Book of Mormon every day. I mean, that was something that our leaders encouraged us to do. Mm -hmm. um, but for you, your mom brought these stories of the Bible and they impacted yeah. you. Yeah. Which, big, big that, time. That's something else that's new and different for me because we have really good friends right now. Well, I do. Yeah. My husband doesn't know them very well, but, but, um, they're they're amazing Christians. All they have is the Bible. I should say all yeah. they have. It's so offensive now to say that. You know, I just am like, oh, I I am so bad. 
But they're, they're, the spirit of the Lord is in their home. It's amazing I go to their what home. you can do with the Bible. Right? It, because it's Jesus. It's it's yeah. Jesus. And they know him. And I go in their yeah. home and I feel the spirit. Yeah. And it's there. Like the spirit of the Lord is there. They're good people. Anyway, so that's interesting that your mom felt prompted yeah. to do that. So that was like yeah. normalizing these experiences with God for you. Yeah. And that's, and then that's, it was about that time that I had this experience that I'm not sure what happened. I don't know how it happened. I just remember laying in my bed one night, looking out the window and a supernatural, I guess, knowledge implanted into my mind from a thought that was outside of myself mm -hmm. just kind of came in and permeated me. And it was that I would live to see the last days of this mm -hmm. world. Oh my goodness. And uh, so I didn't know what to do with that, but I always had heard that. Yeah. And I, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I, I, and from that I deduced, I must have some work to do or something mm -hmm. that I, I, you know, be some adventure kinda, ahead. Yeah. 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 So this was around in the eight, nine, 10 years of age. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's heavy stuff for a 10 year old. Yeah. yeah. And I was not <laughs> baptized yet. So okay. it was common in the earliest church to be baptized when you're eight. Mm -hmm. I never did. I think because of what was going on with my mom and dad and divorce. And my dad uh, began to kind of lose his faith and he became kind of an atheist. Um, he's mm -hmm. still actually kind of a more agnostic to this day. I think he acknowledges mm -hmm. there has to be an intelligence, but yeah. he isn't sure what it is. I see God okay. works with him. But he made me promise uh, not to get baptized till I was 18. Mm. And... Uh, Interesting. I, I promised to do that. And I'm glad I did wait till I was 18. To be honest with you, I wasn't even actually really ready when I was 18. But yeah. I did get baptized and I did have an experience. But I would say I, I was baptized first and then I made my covenant later. Mm. Because we were always taught the baptism is a covenant. Yeah. But it, it isn't. Um, Book of Mormon indicates baptism is the outward witness of the covenant that you have made. And I don't think people know that and don't always know to do that. Um, maybe on yeah. some level they make a covenant, but it wasn't until I was in my mid twenties, 26 or something, when I had this turnaround experience and I had a, I had a true conversion where I knew there was a you God 100%. Gave your heart to God. Yeah. 100% and I made a covenant and I basically gave him permission to interfere in my life. That was mm -hmm. the words that I had used. Um, mm -hmm. And I told him I would go anywhere. I would say whatever he wanted me to say. I would do anything he told me to do. And that was my covenant with him. He's taken me up on that. And it's caused me a lot of trouble. It's amazing to think to think that an eight-year-old could understand to do that. Because I got baptized at eight. Mm -hmm. I feel like I had warm feelings toward the yeah. Savior and toward sure. God. I wanted to follow him. But definitely, you know, actually voicing, I am yours, God, use me did not yeah. happen until much later. Same, yeah. same as you. How, how can you mourn your sins? What sins do you really repent of at that age? Yeah. I mean, you, I don't think you can truly understand it. But even if people get baptized today, I don't feel like that necessarily invalidates the baptism. I yeah. think it's just one of these things where, you know, let's take a look at when the Gentiles got the Holy Spirit and Peter is told to go to the, the house of um, Cornelius. Was that it? Anyway, the Gentile house, mm -hmm. and he has that vision and everything. They get there, 
And here's all these Gentiles who have never had water baptism. Mm -hmm. And they all have the Holy Spirit. And they look at each other and Peter's like, well, I guess we can't withhold water baptism from them. Mm -hmm. Which means they were wondering whether they could or should water baptize Gentiles. They were still struggling with that. They didn't, they couldn't comprehend that. It was hard. But here it is. They got the Holy Spirit before they got the baptism of fire and Holy Spirit before they got the water baptism. You know, you have Alma baptizing himself. Um, God does whatever he's going to do. Then we just have to figure it out from there. There may be a proper order if everything is just in a, in a, everything's functioning just perfectly. But as human beings, we're so messed up. Things aren't always (laughs) working exactly as they might happen if everything was Mm -hmm. in order and it's okay. You know, so I, I think he accepts the fact that we were taught that we're supposed to get baptized when we're eight or whatever. We did it. We don't really understand the full implications of it. But if later on we do, then maybe that sanctifies that baptism of water, you know, um, I'm not going to judge anybody for their baptism or when they did or whatever. It's like, that's between you and the Lord, you know, if he wants us to get baptized again, we will, right? I will. I'll Mm -hmm. get in the water again. If he, if he says, I want you to get in the water and and do it again, I'll do it. Yeah. And, and I think, um, I think it'll be him leading the teaching of, I, I mean, if it's an errant teaching, yeah. I I think he knows that he understands that yeah. human humanity happens, you know, and mm-hmm. so between your ten year old experience and your eighteen year old, what was your life like during your teen years? Were you active in your church? Were you? Did you interact with God? Did you pray on a daily basis, or like what was your life like? Um, you know, I was. I was suffering because of the the divorce really impacted me, I think, in a big mm-hmm. way. Um, I wandered a lot. Um, we had to live with our grandparents in Michigan for a little while, and that was the best mm-hmm. thing that ever happened to me. My grandfather, who isn't even my grandfather by birth, because my real grandfather had died uh, before I was born and, and when my mother was a young child. Okay. Uh, he had been electrocuted. Um mm. And so my grandmother got remarried to a Catholic and they went to mass for part of the morning. And then they went to the RLDS church after that. And they did that for some years. And then he was at, at the side of his bed on his knees praying when his, when his wife wasn't in the room and he was just praying, Lord, what do you want me to do here? Do you want me to join this church? What do you want me to do to it? Should I stay a Catholic? I don't want to do the right thing. And the Lord Mm -hmm. spoke to him audibly and told him, go ahead and get baptized and join Mm -hmm. that church. Um, I'm glad he did um, because he was probably the most spiritual man I've ever met in the RLDS church. Mm -hmm. He became a patriarch in our church. He became like a father to so many families. Mm -hmm. Um, He became a giant really spiritually in our church. And, uh, And he was my grandfather and he always treated me like I was blood. I mean, he took so much time out Um, and I could feel the presence of the Lord when I was in his presence. And that was the Mm -hmm. interesting part. And, uh, but I just had a lot of, I had a void in myself and I, I saw a lot of different ways to fill it, whether eating or movies, fantasy, escape. Uh, I, I played Dungeons and Dragons for a bunch of years when I was in high school and in college and, and just got into all the things that kids get into, really. Yeah. Um, I went to church, 
fairly regularly, and I was pretty smart about different scriptures. I had a pretty good way of memorizing certain things and piecing them together. And so everyone mm -hmm. thought that I was really knowledgeable about the scriptures, but I'd never really actually read them all the way through or anything. Yeah. I just came off that way. But, uh, yeah, it was, I would say I sort of was running from the Lord and running from my responsibility. And uh, when my grandfather died, uh, passed away, that is when everything changed. Mm -hmm. and, How old uh, were you? I was, I think, 24, 25, and uh, it was shortly thereafter that I, I, I call it, this is the first time that the Lord swallowed me up, had a whale swallow me up, or a big fish. Um, yeah. It was a Jonah experience. Um, I was, I, I was just so into, I was sinning, and just into all the different pleasures of the flesh or whatever and just yep. college and stuff and just running around and dating and and just whatever consumed with all these things trying to fill some empty void in me i didn't realize the void could only be filled with god mm -hmm. and uh, but i had a rare night one night where i was laying in bed and i began to feel remorse for my sins and know that there's no way this could continue that i on some level i knew i had these experiences when i was younger that I was supposed to be with the Lord, right? Yeah. And not yeah. all this other stuff. And I don't know what triggered it. I, probably it's God because I, I think he's, a, he's the one that initiates all these types of experiences. Right. But for some reason, I felt very remorseful about my sins one night. It just hit me. And I started weeping. And mm -hmm. I'm laying in my bed. And, I'm, and I said, God, I, I can't change. Like, I... I don't know how to change. I don't think I can change. And I said, Lord, I need you to take my agency away from me and force me to change. Mm -hmm. And of course, right away, the Holy Spirit is like, you know, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And I like to argue with God. So I said, <laughs> I know, but I'm using my agency to tell you to take <laughs> away my agency. And he didn't answer me. <laughs> that was it. He didn't say anything. But it wasn't that long after that, and my grandfather passed away, and my life crumbled, and and I had a year-long series of panic attacks, anxiety mm -hmm. attacks. Um, I felt like I'd been turned over to the buffetings of Satan, mm -hmm. and I, I thought the Lord had utterly abandoned me. I thought I was going to go to hell. I thought God no longer loved me. I must have oh, committed wow. the impartable sin or something. Oh. And there was these little signs along the way. I like one time I had to get up and run into the bathroom of the restaurant when we were with family after church. And just because I was having a panic attack or something, I'm just feeling like I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. And I, and I go in that bathroom and I'm thinking, I'm, this is awful. I'm in hell. Mm -hmm. And I look and there's someone had written on the bathroom walls. You know, normally you don't want to read something that okay. someone has written on a bathroom wall, right. but it said, God still loves you. And this, mm -hmm. the word still was huge. Wow. Still loves mm -hmm. you. And when I finally got this removed, um, literally I was in a state where I was, was going to have to go to a mental hospital or something. And mm -hmm. I'd come to the point and had been to the point for several weeks where I felt like I would never sin again under any circumstance, no matter what happened. Mm -hmm. And I didn't care if I died. I, I thought I was going to die. At age 25, I thought I was going to die. Mm -hmm. And all I wanted to know 
It wasn't even like that I didn't want to go to hell. I just wanted to know that God would forgive me. Yeah. And that was that was where I was at. I just wanted to know that he could love me again. And I found out uh, that message on the bathroom wall was true. And what happened was my uncle came over and administered to me. He was reluctant to because I wasn't a second elder. We always have these rules we have to follow. And yeah, yeah. my mother said, don't you think, don't you think the Lord would send somebody? And so he reluctantly agreed. He annoyed my head with oil. And when he began to speak, I never heard my uncle. Mm. I heard my grandfather, my departed grandfather's mm -hmm. voice. But it wasn't even my grandfather speaking. It was the Lord speaking first person with my grandfather's voice. And one of the first things he said to me was, I have never left you or forsaken you. I have been with you through mm -hmm. all of this experience. Mm -hmm. And I realized what happened is the Lord let me go through this experience because he recognized what I was saying was true. I needed something that would uh, wake me up. So I wouldn't just go back to my whatever I'm doing, having fun and all that and wait till yeah. something terrible one day, you right. know, before you repent. And when I got free of that, I knew there was a God, 100% hmm. knew there was a God and I started worshiping him. But the thing is, I didn't know for sure if he was the God of Mormonism or if he was just the Christian God, maybe because yeah. I knew there was a God, but you know, so why did it, why did he feel different to you than the God that you knew like growing up or what, what was no, but you know, the God, the experiences I had with God were never where like he was quoting directly out of the Book of Mormon or something mm -hmm. per se, or a lot of times my experiences with him really had little to do with doctrine. Mm -hmm. It was always about the love of God and breaking mm -hmm. my heart and making yeah. me feel his presence. And that's non-denominational in nature. It's something anyone can experience in it. So there's nothing about that that tells me joseph smith is a prophet or something like that you know right he's um, just testifying of him and of yeah. your relationship to him and yeah and are. that's what's important yeah. our relationship with joseph smith or anybody else uh, that's of no consequence at, at, no, at no point do we read in any of our scriptures that all those who come to joseph smith will be saved or or anything like that it's all about coming to god yeah, you know and I, so that's first yes, and foremost right you know it has to happen yeah and, and it it's just so interesting how we go along in our lives and we just go through the things like hamsters in a wheel, I guess, you know, and yeah. we don't really get to that bottom point where we are desperate for God. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and you did, you did. I did. And, and I have to yeah. say I did as well. Right. And most of the people who are on this journey with me have gotten to that bottom point where there is yeah. nothing else. That sometimes that's what you got to do. Sometimes yeah. that's what you got to do. I, I mean, I so just, many people in the Bible or and in the Book of Mormon had to do that. They had to come mm -hmm. to that point. David, all that, uh, son of Alma, you know, Alma, the younger, I guess, yeah. um, you know. Yeah, so. and it's it's interesting. So most of the people that you have interviewed, I mean, I could pretty much just overlay my name on their story, like very very similar, which I think yeah. is so interesting. But your story, so you're 25 years old, you basically yeah. have, having a crisis, 
mm-hmm. and finding that there is a God and he's a personal God and yep. you kind of, it sounds like you had that experience where you have no more desire to do evil. Like it's gone. Yeah. No. Yeah. Zero. It was burned out of me. You're just like, <laughs> I, so, so you say worship God. What did that look like? Like, how was your worship different or what did you do to worship God? Um, I knew a few lines from a few worship songs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at, for a while after I got healed of all that, the adversary would come and try to cause me to feel fear again or things like that. Mm. But it was not from within. It was from out without, you know, it was sort of like trying to, it's like him knocking on your door saying, Hey, I'd like to come back in and take mm-hmm. up residence. And mm-hmm. I would recognize that and immediately I would just start singing. And I think the only song I could come to mind was there was a song called awesome God. Hmm. Our God is an awesome God. You ever heard that song? I haven't. Okay. Well, I couldn't remember any of the words of that song except for the main chorus or the main part of the chorus. And that's all I knew. So I would just, whenever Satan would come (laughs) around, I'd say, our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. And I would just, you know, there was just this one line I knew. And I would like sing it over and over and over until Mm -hmm. Satan would run from me. So I found out he James is right. If you that. if you resist the devil, he will flee. <laughs> yes. And yeah. The best way to re- resist him is to worship God. He cannot take it. It makes him sick. I found yeah. that out. So. Yeah. yeah. So I gave my life to God, but was he the God of the RLDS Church, or whatever? I didn't know for sure. I knew I was raised RLDS. And at some point you recognize when you have an experience with God like that on that level and you mm-hmm. hear him speak to you, mm-hmm. you realize everything that you believe or think you believe is because you were just raised that way. I, if I were raised Baptist, I would have been a Baptist. Right. If I were raised a Muslim, I would have been a Muslim. Let's face yes. it. Yes. You know, we, I didn't make that decision. It was made for me and I never questioned it. And so all I knew is I'm going to follow this God. And if this God tells me to take my Book of Mormon and chuck it in the fire, I will. And I told him that. Hmm. So, but he didn't tell me to do that. Hmm. (laughs) Amazing. Quite the opposite. He taught me out of the Book of Mormon. It was astonishing. But the thing is, the other weird thing was, and here's where the trouble began, because I'd made this covenant with him is he started teaching me out of the Book of Mormon and some of the things he would teach me out of the Book of Mormon are very plain were in opposition to some of the traditions in the church. Mm-hmm. I also knew he was going to call me and I knew it was to teach her. Now here's the thing in T in RLDS, um, people, you don't become automatically, you know, like in the so LDS. Not when you turn 12, you're a deacon. Nope. Okay, nope. so different. You could okay. get called to be a deacon at age 50. Hmm. And it could be deacon is your lifelong calling. Hmm. Um, that's how it works. It's it's whatever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> your kitty cat. I've little seen... man is making an appearance again. So oh, he's... boy. My husband is the cat person in our family. And so... <laughs> This is yeah, our cat dog. Really, he he cat is dog. very much like a dog, and he would like to play fetch right now. Cats so. are so interesting, he, yeah. I tell you. Yeah. What a cutie. <laughs> Little man. That's fun. Yeah. But also, the office of teacher is very rare in the RLDS church. Very rare. Hmm. Um, 
you go to most congregations and they don't have a teacher. No one's ever heard of anyone being a teacher. It's a very rare thing. It wasn't until I came to Independence where there's like a thousand congregations of various stripes of restoration that mm. I could actually find some other teachers. But even then, there's not very many. And I don't know why that is. And so when the Lord said, I'm calling you to be a teacher, that was my surest calling because that was the one time I heard his voice saying that. Okay. And the first thing I had to do is go find out if there was even such an office in the RLDS because I'd never seen it. So I had to go look in the Doctrine and Covenants or wherever it was. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, there is. I'm like, that's weird. I've never seen anyone be a teacher. And, you know, there's like a total of one or two sentences written about that office. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, my son's a teacher right now. He's, well, no, he will be a teacher. No, it is, because they yeah. changed when they ordained them. But yeah, but that's so interesting. No teachers. And, and I wonder why. Is that just, like, how do they make those callings? Do they? It's by the mind and will of God. It's it's by revelation. Um, so they, they've always followed the thing that uh, no man is called except as Aaron or whatever in the, in the Bible mm -hmm. or in whatever scriptures. And so they take that as, in other words, by revelation, God has to call you out. Okay. Um, so you could put any name there, Moses or whatever, but no man is called except for as God calls people. How does he call them in the scriptures? You go look and they... They follow him, they call, they hear his voice and they follow him and he calls them to go do something every time. It's not because you're in an institution and at certain ages or at certain times or because there's a corporate ladder and we need to climb it and um, it's not administrative. It's, it's about something the Lord wants you to do. That's how we've always viewed it. And then we've always gone by that in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And mm -hmm. so how the RLDS process that was usually a pastor would receive some sort of revelation. It's supposed to be a revelation. It's supposed to be a dream, so was, a vision, yeah. an angel so your, voice. Right. Some kind of something. Was your yeah. pastor our equivalent to a bishop? Would you call him a pastor um, or what was? I don't, you know, and I, bishop is different between RLDS and LDS. And I'm not sure I completely mm -hmm. understand that myself, but okay. the pastor is sort of the head of a congregation, one congregation. Okay. 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 Um, so he's just a head elder um, and it's by vote. So okay. um, I don't, so I never he's did an understand elder that. And they, and they vote on who should be the pastor, who this should year, kind of lead yeah. oh, Okay. Yeah. So it changes by every year. year. Yeah. Every year there's a voting of different officers. I always thought that was peculiar because to me, pastor has got to be a calling, surely. Mm -hmm. That has to be a calling. There's some people that are meant to be pastors and some that aren't, and God knows who they are. I never understood the idea of having a vote like some political thing and put somebody in charge, and next year someone may run against you. <laughs> Whatever. That is so That's, interesting. Yeah. yeah. When we, That's, when we, uh, I mean, when, when we vote, we vote, but it's basically like it's already been done, and you know. just, it's, it's very, doesn't really mean anything from what I gathered over yeah. the years like yeah. anyway it's so different okay so you're, yeah it's very different that way so yeah so you're you're 25 you have this experience with god you are willing to throw out everything if it wasn't from him i was then he starts teaching you using both the bible and the book of mormon yeah i started with the bible okay. i read all the way through that was tough there was some mm -hmm. stuff in the Old Testament that was 
I mean, Chronicles. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I have to say, I have not. I've skimmed all of those chapters. You know, I've been you know, like, okay. Let's here's what's, chapter here's what's disheartening <laughs> is you read First and Second Kings, which is a bit of a slog. And there's some really mm -hmm. good stuff in there. Yeah, there are. But it's a bit of a slog, okay? And it's a history of Israel during a large period of time. And you get to the book of Chronicles, and I think a lot of people don't know this, but then you get the book Chronicles and it says, and surely isn't this written in the book of Kings or something, or surely isn't this written in the book? And you're like, you realize you're reading the same history again. <laughs> so one of those histories I think was written by the Southern kingdom of Judah. And the mm -hmm. other history was chronicled in the Northern kingdom of Israel, mm -hmm. but okay. it covered the same time period. So you're going to mm -hmm. literally reread the same history mm -hmm. and each have different things and different accents and additional things maybe the other doesn't have but you're sort of just going back over the history again and you know, just, i just i don't know if i could do this <laughs> yeah you know i but. that's interesting that you say that because i've read both scriptures and i'm like they're talking about the same thing but i've not read through the entire yeah. book of chronicles so that's yeah. cool so you read every through time the whole I, bible every time yes and every time i picked up the scriptures whether it was the bible or then when i went to the book of mormon after that I, every time I picked it up, I stopped and prayed, and I asked God to open up these scriptures to me and to teach me, and he did. Mm -hmm. um, I He just, and I expected it. And it goes back to those Bible stories. I mean, when... As a child, yeah. Yeah, when the three guys are sitting there in the fiery furnace, mm -hmm. and they're not being burned up, and suddenly mm -hmm. there's one like the Son of, Son of God, or the Son of Man, or whatever they, they call him, standing in their midst and talking to him. It's like... That is that became so real to me, it was ingrained almost in my DNA. Yeah, that and, was like May the Fourth be with you. Did you see yeah. that meme going around? <laughs> like, I did, but May that's that's awesome. It's, it's that's, I can meme. picture it. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I just yeah. expected it, and so now that I've made my covenant with God, now that I had become serious, now that I knew for sure that He was real, and that those experiences I have younger weren't figments of my imagination or anything. Mm -hmm. It's like I expected he would answer. If you ask him something, he's going to answer. Like yeah. I never even thought for a moment he wouldn't. And I think maybe that's part of why I had so many experiences just reading the scriptures. Like I just took it on faith. And I and some people, mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure, maybe they think, well, I don't think God would talk to me. Or maybe yeah. it's how they're raised or something. And I and then they tend to not think God ever talks to them, but I think they He does. They just don't recognize Him all yeah. the time. So yeah, and I think they don't have that foundation of love. Like when you love somebody and you yeah. know they love you, you're more open, yeah. right? I I think if if you don't have that foundation of love, you close your heart a little bit, and that's yeah. what's so important. We we can't do that because if we close our heart, God. You can't do much, you know. Well, the worst disservice the church did to people, and this was RLDS, and and from everything I can see, it's LDS, um, probably any of these restoration groups. Yeah. Um, biggest disservice is that if you were called into the priesthood, then you have these responsibilities. You have to go find out. You need to hear from God and relate other people things. And but if you weren't, you weren't really taught to have those experiences necessarily or to research all those things. Now, I think it's neat, like you were actually asked to teach a class on priesthood. I mean, that's kind of that's probably something you wouldn't see in RLDS mm -hmm. um, so much. You know, you didn't see women teaching as much. 
Yeah, I was called like to speak in a in a ward, and I think that okay. was that's new. It's typically the the priesthood brethren that go around mm-hmm. the ones in the high council, and they decided yeah. to add the auxiliaries, okay. which is is interesting because because um, it wasn't always that way, and I don't remember when the shift happened, but mm-hmm. but I remember them at some point in my early married life. Um, you know, in the last 20 years that they started including mm-hmm. women and the fact that women do have authority and you have hands laid on your head, but it comes through, it came through the men. Yeah. Right? It came from someone laying, laying hands yeah. upon your head. And my sister actually, I said, Hey, I'm going to talk to Douglas Hatton tomorrow. Do you have any questions for him? And she said, yes, please ask him what he has learned and maybe this is a whole different topic that we can discuss some other time. But she said, ask him what he's learned about the role of women. Are we just an appendage or an auxiliary? Or do we really matter to God? That, and that I whole... was just like, because uh, that's what they call the primary and the Relief that, Society yeah. are the auxiliaries. And and we that, just kind of feel like an appendage. Yeah, it, it's it's just, not it's, scriptural. It's not the way God works. Uh, just yeah, you know, well, they, they've tried to put band aids on it and tried yeah, to like to heal it over, but it, they can tell you, there's there's something missing and they need yeah. to do something about this. But how do you do that within the framework of your traditions? Exactly. And that's going to limit them a lot. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the first thing I'm going to say about that is just this is what came to me when you were sharing that right there. That of course it comes through the men. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. How can a man give or impart to a woman that which was taken from Adam when Eve was made? Yeah. That is what was came into my mind, was impressed in my mind as you mm-hmm. were relaying that question. Mm-hmm. Yes, men can bless women and women can bless men and lay hands and all that kind of stuff, but... When it comes to the ministry of women, uh, it's not going to be for men to define that. What we've done, our role is basically in, to to, uh, to suppress it, unintentionally perhaps, but suppress mm-hmm. it. That's mm-hmm. that's been the role of men. Um, we're going to have to learn from women what their role is because they have to hear from the Lord if they are called by the Lord to do whatever it is that they're called to do, they have to hear directly from the Lord. There's no other way of going about this. You you don't get your relationship with God through someone else. Mm -hmm. You have to get your own relationship. It may start there. You may have someone you looked up to and you may ask questions, but at some point you have to have your own relationship with the God, with God. You, when we all stand before him at the last day, we can't say, well, this guy told me, whatever yeah right faith comes by hearing the words you got to hear it from somebody but eventually it it comes to you to act on that and yeah you know the lord has shared with me some things about women's ministry but it only goes so far because i can't experience it or fully comprehend it without them revealing it to me on some level by them walking in it i can just see bits and pieces i can see in part and that's about it so but what i did come to understand is that this yeah auxiliary or appendage uh, that I a whole idea of appendage this that language you won't find that in the scriptures anywhere 
So each of us have our own relationship with God, our own calling. There's nothing above or below. There's nothing that's dependent upon the other. Uh, We all are parts of the body. And every part of the body is equal in importance. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us. Every, mm-hmm. Even the, whatever you might consider to be the least is actually not the least. It's extremely important. And they all have their own role, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and that analogy to the body is just so beautiful because, you can, I mean, you know, you got to have both eyes. You got to, it's just, it's just interesting. And so something that, that I was thinking of, um, in this experience that we had with this homeless man, um, I watched my husband wrestle with, what do I do about, so he calls the bishop, the bishop tells him to do something, and he was just so, he was yeah. like stuck. And and I said, Galen, this is, this is not right. Like, this is not how we take care of poor. This is not it. Yeah. What do you know that you should do in your heart? And he's like, well, my heart always tells me to help. And I said, then help, you know? And and then he's like, well, what if what if he's not safe? What if he's mentally unstable? And I said, yeah. God will take care of it, right? God will, I, I looked at him and I said, you're supposed to be a high priest after the holy order of the son of God. Like, why are you struggling with this? Do you yeah. have power or do you not have power? And and in, in saying that, I, I kind of was hoping, I guess, because it just came out of my mouth, yeah. I was kind of hoping that he would realize that he has the same power I have, that that I have God telling me what to do, and mm-hmm. he has God telling him what to do. Yeah. And that that's enough authority. Like, he doesn't yes. need to get permission. And, you know, and what we decided to do was, I, I said, follow your heart. If you yeah. go and pick him up and it doesn't feel right, then take him to the hotel like the bishop said yeah but i feel like we need to bring him here and we need to care for him yeah and we come to find out he needed food he needed clothes he needed a warm place to be you know he wouldn't have gotten that at a hotel yeah like he was directed to do when you turn to someone a third party person they're not directly involved with this and they're dealing with 20 other things yeah they're not going to always hear the lord about it um, it's the person, you know, you, he came to you, uh, you ended up seeing him. God orchestrated that yeah. God orchestrated yeah. the whole thing where this man is talking to you, to you guys, not, not to this Bishop. Mm-hmm. And so the best person to hear from the Lord will be the two of you. Yeah. Um, it's just how it is, you know, uh, and you know, there's Adam, no, yeah, there's, there's no, like you're the man. So you can only get this. I knew instinctively. This guy's sitting out in the rain, and we need to go yeah. pick him up now. Yeah. Right? And that was the Lord telling me. And, and I saw my husband wrestling with all these, all yeah. the hierarchies and permissions and handbook and, yeah. you know, what do I do? And and so I, I just, it became a little more clear to me that, yeah, women are not an appendage. We're a support. No. We're, we, we work together. Yeah. At, so know? Adam had all the attributes of God um, in terms of full spectrum of what God made us to be that was like him because mm-hmm. he made us in his image. Right. And so mm-hmm. all these various aspects, he instilled them in Adam, even though, you know, Adam is not God, but he's, he's made in the image. So he has characteristics yeah. that are similar, um, kind of like a, you know, a little mini me, I guess of, mm-hmm. of the Lord in some way. 
and he had all the the full spectrum of those characteristics of God that he intended for mankind. But when he made Eve, he removed half of that, and he put it in in women. So guess what? Men don't have all the attributes and characteristics of God. And without the female half of things, we're missing something. We're we're missing. We're not hitting a cylinder in the engine. Is not yeah. yes. We're not running on a full tank of gas. And Satan knows that he has done everything he can because the reason why women have been so much suppressed and devalued and not looked at is that's that is a strategy of the adversary because because here's what men tend to specialize in up here mm -hmm. and women tend to be specialized in care more and when you want to get at the heart of god and when you want to be have the love of god you're going to need this men tend to be the kind of people who can cut other people off and you're exiled you're cut off we're going to kick yeah. you out you're yeah. you're judged we tend to like here's the rules but i've what i've noticed in the church over the years is that when men are combating each other and striving for the mastery that it's the women that stand up and say guys this isn't right like you guys need to you know get on your knees and pray like we're, we're supposed to love each other and it's that voice that brings us back to awareness of like the nature of god the heart of god which sometimes mm -hmm. men forget they can have it they can gain it but it's not natural to them they have to gain that yeah. on some level you know so yeah, that's that, yeah, that's that's amazing. So I, I don't know where we were going. We kind of went off on a tangent, <laughs> but it was it was so clear to me. I was just like, he's wrestling with all these things that he's yeah. been told that he is, and yeah. it's really not. I mean, it it has to come from God, and it has yeah. to come from Him filling you and giving you authority, and it's just yeah. that the laying on the hands. I think is orderly like my brother is saying well the kingdom of god is a god of order so he's not just mm -hmm. gonna like you know and i said well it's his order, order that what if he wants exactly. to do it that way right it's his like, order not ours yeah and when we do things according to our traditions or because it's always been this done this way or because we've been told that's how it's supposed to be done or because it's in a rule handbook somewhere mm -hmm. or because the bishop said so or even some prophet told us this is how it is when we stand before God, that's not an out. Yeah. We don't get to get a pass. Well, the prophet told me, no. What did I tell you? It's you. And yeah. if you don't know his voice and you're not hearing his voice, what are, I mean, okay, then here's where I'm going to be concerned about depart from me. Yes. I never knew you. You know, you never knew yeah. me. I never knew you. It's like you got to have that relationship. So mm -hmm. every single person. You know, I there's a visionary man that I was led to his books that had a series of visions about the very last days. And some extraordinary things in that vision. Do we need to take a break here? No. <laughs> I hear my something. Son is, my son is mowing the lawn, so sorry. Oh, it's a mower. No, okay. Oh, I thought outside. it was a vacuum or something. <laughs> All right. All right, go. It's oh, outside, okay. so... All right. So periodically you'll hear it, but he's can't going to swim okay. around. That's cool. Okay. I didn't know how loud it was on your side or anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. All right. So anyway, um, in this in this vision, one of the things he saw was that at some point here in the last days, 
the church would look like to the world. It looked like anarchy. It would look like chaos. And that literally people could not figure out who's in control here. Who's their leader. Mm. And they would be looking to see who the leaders were so they could, you know, dismantle this thing or attack it or do whatever they needed to do. And it seemed to be leadership less. Mm. But in that vision, even though he knew that, that that's how it appeared to the world and that's how it appeared in the physical realm, he could see into the spiritual realm. And he says, I, the church had never been more organized and more orderly than it ever has been. And he says, but the order came by way of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit orchestrated the movements and the actions of each person. Each person was being directed by the Holy Spirit. And so they didn't have to form plans and figure things out and all that. They would just meet at places. They would, things would come together. They'd be told to do a certain thing, meet so-and-so here to go do this type of thing. That's the level we have to get to. We have yes, to be at that sure. level where we're not going to make it through this thing unless we are hearing the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and this was this Rick Joyner. It was yes. I I heard you say something about him, and I I yeah. bought all three books. I've read the first one, The Final Quest. Okay. Wonderful, okay. Yeah. wonderful book. Life changing. <laughs> and and I looked him up on um, YouTube, mm -hmm. and he does a couple of interviews with Bob Jones. There's the mower again going by. Sorry. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> um, with Bob Jones, and mm -hmm. again, just realizing that God. He's already doing that. Yeah. He's already calling people and yeah. communicating with, with his children. Absolutely. And helping them work in certain parts of his vineyard. And yeah. And again, they're, they're, they're men. And, uh, you know, especially in these later years here, I don't, there's a lot of stuff I don't like to even care to listen to him very much. He's gotten very political yeah. and things like that. And I think he's gotten off track. But that, it's just like everything else, whether it's Joseph Smith or anybody else. Right. God has his work and he does it and he chooses weak things of the earth. He, he told us that. Mm -hmm. So we're not to look to them. And that's the thing. It's like tear apart Joseph Smith. So therefore you tear apart the work of God. No, you can't. Uh, he intensely chooses people that are weak and will make mistakes. So do we throw away David? Because in the Bible... Yeah. I mean, he literally had someone killed so he could get their wife. Right. I mean, that pretty egregious sin right there. I mean, that's right. if you're going to and be written black, off by God, yes. that would be it. This black or white thinking, I, I feel like yeah. is Satan's trap. I, I it feel is. like the all or nothing because I have had friends. I have a really good friend whose husband is now atheist, maybe agnostic, mm -hmm. because he found out some things he read. Yeah. Something online, found out some things about Joseph Smith, went to the church website and realized they corroborated. Yeah. So, okay, the church is saying this yeah. is true about Joseph, and I can't handle that. So I have to, you know, single greatest thing. single greatest witness against Joseph Smith is is the Latter Day Saint Church. <laughs> they corroborate things, and it's sad because it would be in their interest at this point to go back and clean up their history yeah. and admit that they're some of their former prophets and leaders of the church lied because they had an agenda. Yeah. Um, they wanted to have certain things. And so they, they implicated Joseph Smith because without Joseph Smith, they didn't have enough power behind it. Mm -hmm. And so now Joseph Smith is forever implicated with these things. Why? Because well, 
who's ever heard of the RLDS church or the temple at church? I mean, they're just considerably smaller. When you think about Joseph Smith, everyone thinks Mormon. Everyone mm -hmm. thinks Utah. Mm -hmm. And yep. so it's the Utah church that gets to define who Joseph Smith is. Why would a scholar or a historian bother to refute or dig into and find out if the church is lying that Joseph Smith really was a scoundrel? Yeah. They're going to accept their, they're going to, if their own church is willing to say that Joseph Smith was at, was going after young women, young girls, and trying to get other men's wives, and that the church that he founded says he did that, they're not going to refute that. Nobody's going to refute that. Yeah. So it would be nice if they would change that, but then you're in a pickle because then you've got to admit maybe some other things are wrong and then where do you yeah, go from there yeah, and maybe so I, I see the churches in a in a conundrum i, I think that's where they're at and, but. and i love what you said about it it will look chaotic but yeah. from heaven and from and and think about a war strategy yes. you know if you're in a battle that's the way to go is Absolutely. to work with individuals who can all the kind of like that hive mind where they just know we're meeting here yeah. at this time and Yep. You know, I, I just, I think that's amazing. And, if and you think really... about my mind, I can direct my arm to move, right? Mm -hmm. There are certain things I can do, but there's all kinds of things going on in my body here mm -hmm. that, that I don't direct directly. Mm -hmm. That's how we like to do church. That's how yeah. organizations yeah. like to work. You got these heads and they want to direct everything everyone's doing and everyone's going to do it this way and all that kind of stuff. But really what's going on is there are things automatically happening. There's parts of my body. There are cells, there are organs that automatically know their job and they do their job, whether I ask them to do it or not. And they keep me alive. They keep the whole body functioning. Right. Yeah. And so that is the way the body crisis to be. We mm -hmm. are, we don't, we shouldn't all have to, yes, we have a head, but that head is Christ. That's Jesus. And yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. And the rest of us, they are getting their instructions, you know, from the known understanding of what we're to be doing, how they get that, you know, well, in the body of Christ, it's the Holy Spirit that's directing everything all the time. You know, that's mm -hmm. how they know, you know, it's mm -hmm. built right into them. They have to get it internally. You can't just get everything from direct instructions from some person or some leader in the church. Yeah. And honestly, I really, I really had to go to the scriptures to def to redefine the word church for myself, yeah. because that is it is not taught that way. It is not taught like that. That's right. And and what my sister and I and this group of ladies are, are realizing that, um, you know, we've read the scriptures, but we've read the scriptures with the understanding of what we were we've been told they mean or they say, rather than just taking off the the LDS glasses or whatever you have and reading them yeah. as a child and reading them to learn and to be taught by the Lord. And so back to your story, I find that so interesting that that is what you, even after hearing the voice of the Lord, that's where you went yeah. and you went to him to have him teach you what his word yeah. means. Yeah. Which is just, that's what we all have to do. I, I Absolutely. Just, that's the place. And, yeah. and when people are wondering, you know, okay, I know all this now about polygamy and about whatever church history or whatever happened, what do I do now? And and I just want to say, you go to the scriptures and you pray before you read and you say, Lord, teach me. Yeah. And you take Absolutely. off your, your preconceived notions. You don't read the chapter 
summaries. Yeah. Because those are written by other people. Yep, exactly. And and you 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 do the research, you do the work yourself. Yeah. And I think we really do have to, and I, I know people might argue with me about this, but I think we really have to start with the Bible and the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Because it was God himself that made sure that we were told in the Book of Mormon that it would be these two books. And even in the Doctrine and Covenants, and the original revelations come out, that he said, it's these two books. It's these two books where you have the fullness of everything and understanding. Take these two books, go into all the world and preach. And, and how many so times had I read Second Nephi chapter 3? Yeah. How many times? I had read it a million times. And then when you pointed yeah. that out, I went to that scripture and read it with yeah. new eyes. And I was like blown away. That was his... That was his whole plan. That's why we had the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Uh, if we don't do that, we're missing out. And so it's okay. Go to the Doctrine and Covenants or go to whatever scriptures you might have after that. But do that after. Mm -hmm. uh, go back to the beginning and get the pure understanding of what God gets. And then you can judge better and see better what he's wanting to show you in those other things. It's not that there isn't truth in other places other than those right. two books, obviously. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, those are the foundation, I would say, as far as written scripture. They mm -hmm. are the foundation. Mm -hmm. Well, interestingly, as I have, you know, because I study everything, my, my awakening kind of happened with the healthcare system and realizing how how broken. And yeah. so now when when I ask, you know, God, what do you want me to study? Who do you want me to learn from? He will say, Go to my servant, Douglas Hatton. Go to my servant, and and a name. I mean, literally, yeah. a name will come to me. Go to my yeah. servant, Gary Wayne, and you know all these people who don't even share the belief in the Book of Mormon, or sometimes not even belief in Jesus as we know him. Yeah. Right? It's it's they've had experiences with God, mm -hmm. but it's not, you know. Our definition it, it's just I'm, I'm speaking of a guy named Michael Singer who I mean the way he describes in his experience with God is God yeah but he just doesn't say Jesus you know he just says God <laughs> yeah and, and my <laughs> so. and that's the thing we I mean we God is not a legal Pharisee it's not a legalistic Pharisee something I had to get over and make sure I understood that there was something that he made sure I got over. He needs us to know that. Mm -hmm. Now, when he tells us to do something, we need to do something. There's consequences if we don't. Mm -hmm. um, but we like to just make things into hard, fast rules. And, and, you know, look at the thief on the cross. Mm -hmm. Okay. Jesus said, if you are believe in me and you are baptized, otherwise, otherwise you, you are not saved. If you're not baptized, right? Well, the thief on the cross didn't get baptized. Mm -hmm. and he didn't have to wait for someone else to do something this day you'll be with me in paradise and so if yeah, some mormon didn't, didn't baptize to... yeah if some more some mormon forgot to to <laughs> do that for him years later it doesn't get revoked suddenly i mean the lord what he says is the word that's what it is so yeah. um you know it's we have to believe in what he says and and so some people don't know Jesus as Jesus yet, and yet they know him. Mm -hmm. This is now. This is, might seem controversial, but I'm just going to tell you this right now. Um, I know that there are some Muslims out there that have the Spirit of God that speaks to them. 
Yeah. Now, they they have their book, and in that book, they actually believe in Jesus. They think he's a prophet, but they mm-hmm. don't think he's anything else. They believe in Abraham. They believe in, in, in different things, but obviously things that aren't right. But I guess you could say that about all of us. Yeah. But is Jesus their Savior? No, they don't know that. But here's what I, I believe I understood that the Lord was showing me, is that there are some Muslims who... Listen to that spirit of Christ. Remember, the Book of Mormon says the spirit of Christ is given to every man. He didn't say some men. Yeah. Every man to know right from wrong. And if they follow that voice, they're following Christ, even if they don't know his name. Okay? Yeah. And that's not his name anyway. But yeah. <laughs> it's Yeshua. Right. But in right. any case, but he has many names. And anyway, what I was seeing, I think in an internal vision or something that I was, I was being shown, is a Muslim who'd followed that voice all his life. And because of that, he had a good and tender heart and he had the heart of the Lord. Okay. When he died, he sees Jesus and he recognizes him. And then he realizes who he is, that he had not been taught. This is who it is, but he recognizes the voice. Mm -hmm. And even though he didn't really know his name, and this is why people, people get hung up on legalism because it says there's no other name under heaven. No yeah. other name in which you can be saved, right? Mm-hmm. But if you go look up that word name in the Greek and the Hebrew, it is not a formal word that you mm-hmm. use. It means the substance of who that person is, their characteristics, who they are. This guy knew, he knew Jesus, you know, in his heart. He just didn't really fully comprehend him. Well, you could say that probably about most of us. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and, and so, yeah, it's... You know, and he will lead us. And there could be a point where some people uh, of different faiths that don't even think they believe in Jesus, or maybe they don't even think they're a Christian, where because of what's going to take place in his last days, they'll suddenly wake up and realize, oh, that's who you are. Like, I didn't think so because, and because of the hypocrisy of Christianity and the hypocrisies of Mormonism, the hypocrisies and the things that we've done wrong, they couldn't see it because we were we were you know it's just like for me i feel like mormonism as a whole has sort of been a a big block for the rest of the world for the book of mormon they don't have a clue what the book of mormon is and they're not going to because well we know what they believe so they must get all that from this book and that's where it's Mm -hmm. at and christianity same way the way some christians act people don't want anything to do with it right but when they meet the real jesus they're going to know and it could be that even some people that thought they that they weren't necessarily following Jesus are on some level. And I think he will reveal himself to them. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. My my agnostic father has at times the Lord has spoken through him. Mm -hmm. He doesn't realize that, but he has. The Lord has spoken through my agnostic father at times to me. Mm -hmm. And I recognize it as God. So he's using my father. It's that little piece of God inside that that (laughs) we all have. Yeah. Yeah, that and it's is, been a blessing, you know. It, yep. So that's amazing. It, that is so awesome. So I just, yeah, I, I it's awesome. And and he's the way bigger that, and more amazing than we than we think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When we get, I, I, this thing I know. When we all get through all this and we're all standing here together in His presence, we're gonna just be baffled by how awesome. Uh, just how immeasurable just uh, it's just going to be beyond it's far beyond our expectations of what we could have ever imagined and uh, and the other thing i know too i know this for a certainty there's not going to be a single one of us 
that when we stand before him, we're going to turn to someone else and go, see, I told you that's how it's, but I told you this is the way it's going to be. <laughs> Every single one of us are going to be astonished about something. Every single one of us are going to find out we're wrong about any number yep. of little things yep. or big things. Uh, every all of us and those people that maybe we wrote off could be they had some things that maybe was right and we were wrong about after all mm -hmm. every knee is going to bow that means yeah. every person is going to be humbled you know 100 percent. yes yes and that we're all we're all ants you know we're all small and <laughs> insignificant yes yeah and he had to come and down and join us he so became an ant yes yeah. <laughs> Yes. I loved that story in the in the Leslie yeah, Parker too. interview. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So anyway, I I don't know if you want to take a break, but I would love to know what um what got you from being called as an elder in your church to where you are now. I mean, that that is a whole story in itself, I'm That's sure. That's a whole journey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the coming out of the RLDS church, I don't know how much all that needs to be told, but coming out of that um, and then joining up with what's called the Church of Christ Restored. I'm okay. still a member of that church to this day. I just not, the Lord's never told me to remove my name. Um, so so I work you with don't them. actively participate with them or you do still? I, I am literally pastoring a congregation, um, but that church as a whole is sort of, I don't want anyone to get mad at me, but it, it's sort of defunct. It's sort of okay. collapsed. Um, people have gone their separate ways. It's, there's not much to it anymore. I can't remember okay. the last time we had an elders conference or any kind of reunion or any kind of anything. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, what's left is very small remnants of that group. But the funny thing is, you know, a few years back, it was 2019, I think it was. Um, and I wanted nothing to do with that church. They were off on some... They were off on uh, some deception. They were following some guy who was claiming to be a prophet and some new record. And the Lord had told me it was a deception. I didn't know anything to do with it. I, I was tired of actually working with restoration people. I just wanted to go out and go to the unsaved people that don't know the Lord. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. And I just wanted to do that. And then the Lord spoke to me so clearly just out of the blue. And he said, I have not yet released you from your obligation to the Church of Christ Restored. And I was like, oh, I didn't know there was a Church of Christ story anymore. <laughs> I mean, on paper, I guess it exists, but yeah. it doesn't even really exist. But when the Lord says something like that, well, he must apparently recognize it as something. Mm -hmm. now, I, I know that it's just one small part of the body of Christ. Insignificant, really. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but it, it's some small part, and even the most insignificant parts that have a role, right? And And then he told me what how he had seen my calling to that church which i did not i did not comprehend the way he saw his calling to that church um i won't say anything more about that but then he said that church has yet one more thing to do hmm. and so i've been pondering that ever since i don't know if what we're doing in the congregation right now is part of that or if there's something else that's going to happen but i do believe very strongly, this little bitty church, small groups of people that is left, that they're supposed to help just be a part of the overall joining together of all the people who love the Lord and lay down all our walls and fences and perimeters we've set up and mm -hmm. 
and just by example, I think it's supposed to do that. I think it has something to do with it. It goes back yeah. to that unity movement thing that we participated in years ago. Uh, we learned a lot of lessons, but we, well, we, we heard a lot of lessons. I don't know if we learned them yet. Mm. I think yeah. we need to learn them now and actually walk them. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Be an example of the believers, you know, and let, let your actions speak for you and, yeah. and who you are. Yeah. speak for you i count myself as just part of the church of christ mm -hmm. of which there's only one so when i meet people like you and others and we're communing on this level and we have these experiences with the lord even if we don't all think exactly like on all those things we're in the same church mm -hmm. and that's how i feel now too and i really do yeah. and i i i was talking to my husband yesterday and it's interesting because he's he's seeing kind of my my journey and my progress and he's he he knows what i used to believe and but yet i am asking him questions as if i didn't as if i never knew that because it seems so foreign to me now because of how i think about the body of christ and yeah that you know believers we're all working together whether we whether we admit that or not, or whether we know that or not, yeah. there, there are only two churches, you know, and absolutely. And we need each other and there's yeah. power in it. There's power in it. I mean, you know, I can't, part of my body can't say to the other part of my body, I don't need you. I mean, yeah. we, we all Every need each other. Part is Everything essential. that the Lord is doing with us. Um, the things that he shares with you and then the things he shares with me, you know, it's like uh, one of the things he showed me years ago was a vision that he showed me of, uh, he showed me the kingdom of God. It mm -hmm. was a beautiful, just a beautiful picture of mountains and valleys and there's these hills and there's flowers and just beautiful. And I knew it was a representation of the kingdom of God. And then it broke into little pieces and it was little puzzle pieces. They're all shaped mm -hmm. like little puzzle pieces. And I saw someone holding up one of the puzzle pieces and said, the kingdom of God is like a, a field of yellow flowers. And another one said, no, no, the kingdom of God is like, uh, you know, blue sky or whatever. Interesting. And they yeah. fought each other and, you know, <laughs> no, no, no. This is what this kingdom no, of God it's, is. Yeah, right. And what it is, is when you bring your pieces together in humility and lay them down. We may find out there's some puzzle pieces that aren't part of this puzzle. Maybe they got to be thrown out. Mm -hmm. But when we get all the pieces that are actually part of the actual puzzle that the Lord has given us, when we start to piece those together, we find out what the big picture is. And it's going to take all of us coming together in humility and Bring laying down all of our pride and all our arrogance of thinking we've got it all. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have it all. Not by, mm -hmm. by a long shot. And there's things I need to learn from other people. And that the Lord can confirm for me when I do, but I don't understand all things yeah. or I wouldn't even be here. Probably it'd be translated or something. <laughs> <laughs> Some other different realm where you can keep learning, right? If you've yeah. learned all there is to learn yeah. here. I don't and, know. <laughs> and something that I'm realizing is, is the truth of the church of the devil, that it is there, yeah. that it actually operates in our world. It does. And it operates in our churches. Yeah. And something it's... new that I that I understood by reading the scriptures. 
So I always understood the parable of the wheat and tares, and I remember you mentioning that and, and saying that was a very significant, powerful teaching from the Lord. And so I always understood that wheat and tares were kind of like philosophies of men mingled with scripture, you know, those kinds of things. So Could then I, I went and I actually read in the scriptures, and it says that the wheat are, are the people and the tares mm-hmm. are the children of the evil one. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. I guess children could be ideas, but in my mind, it was like, it's people with ideas. I think it works on different levels because it so, is a parable. But in this mm-hmm. particular instance, Jesus is using that um, picture to teach yeah. us that. Yeah, it yeah. is people um, and those who we... are following the adversary. And and it's right in the churches. I mean, if you you read the final quest. Mm-hmm. So what what was the army of the devil comprised of? Yeah. It, it was, was Christians, Christians, a lot of them, yes, with demons riding on them, mm-hmm. and with guilt and shame and perversions and anger and fear, Which, yeah, and all those things. And so, you know, churches. So the, the church, you know, we've talked about Christ's church has no denominational boundaries. You could be from all different churches, but if you adhere to the voice of the Lord, yeah, you're His church, right? But Satan's church also knows no denominational boundaries. And so the church of Satan is, he's in the LDS church. He's yeah. in the RLDS church. He's in the Church of Christ Restored. He's in the Temple Lot church. He's in various Christian churches. Mm-hmm. He's all around us. And, and sometimes churches are the places that demons are most comfortable with. They love yeah. religion, dead religion. They love it, mm-hmm. you know, and the judging and the... Uh, casting out of people and uh, the binding of minds and hearts, you know. Yes, and yeah. you know, keeping you captive be, mm-hmm. out of fear that you're going to be cast out. Mm-hmm. That is a terrible, terrible thing to do. God has given us the freedom and agency and choice to, to choose and understand and to worship according to the dictates of our own conscience. It was mm-hmm. very important to Joseph Smith mm-hmm. that we be free to worship according to the dictates of our own conscience, and yet. Really, we aren't in the churches anymore. It's, you know, well, if you're going to be in our church, this is how we're going to always do it. Right. What if the Holy Spirit wants to do it a different way? You know? So. Yeah. Well, they must be deceived, you know? I mean, we always have that. That's that's always, I, I've been told by family members, you know, be sure you're listening to the right voice. And as mm-hmm. the warning of me having questions, you know, it's like, yeah. I think God loves questions. I I really think that's how we it's learn. terrifying for people when you start questioning. It was from it I is. was that way at one point. I, I there was a point where yeah, I would worry about people or warned people and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and late and years later found out they were right actually. Yep. Um, but you it's it's a control mechanism. The adversary gets you to do that to kind of like try to keep people in line. But really, what's happening is you're afraid yourself. It's a fearful thing. Like, well, what if they're right or not right? Or what does that mean? And I, that would rock my world. So mm-hmm. I don't, I want, I don't want everything to be comfortable. I don't want to have to be, to question certain things. People generally speaking, like to be comfortable. They don't like to yeah. be uncomfortable, but I've got news for you. If you follow the living God, you're going to become uncomfortable. He's going yes. to lead you away out of your own native country. He's going to lead you to some other place and it'll just be you and him for a while. And that's the kind of stuff he's done to people all through the scriptures. Leads Alma out into the wilderness, you know, leads Abraham out away from his family, from everyone he's ever known. Uh, Jacob, all these, 
all these examples in the scriptures, you're going to be uncomfortable. The disciples, I mean, just think how uncomfortable they must have been and all the right. and the religious leaders of their day that they looked up to and that you had to fear. And now they were their master is confronting them and they're being beat up for what they believe and yeah. threatened if they don't, you know, say something against. I mean, just. It's not a. It's it's not all fun and games when you're following the when you're following mm -hmm. the God of Israel. That's for sure. But no. but yeah, you have and, that peace that passes all understanding when you do, and, yes. and then you grow as a human being. Otherwise, you don't. You're stunted. You're just stunted, and you're stuck in this religion. But when you're with the Lord, you're going to grow. If you're not growing continually and learning new things and in your walk and getting closer to him, there's a problem. You're either going forward it's true. or you're, you're going backwards. It. There's no standing yeah. still. Yeah. There isn't. And, no. and we've just been so comfortable here in the United States. And it's just been so easy. You know, yeah. I grew up in, I was born in the 70s and 70s, 80s, 90s. You know, even 2000s, so comfortable. So just everything yeah. was our there. All all of the processes of the church, the camps and the, you know, everything for the youth already laid out. And mm -hmm. and God has been, you know, whispering to my heart that your, your children are going to be different. They yeah. need different things. And so we've yeah. purposely kept them out of some of these things because I'm starting to realize they just want to lull people to sleep, you yeah, know, to it, comfort them and, and, and feed them this familiar food. And it, we're about to get a really hard, hard wake up call. I, I really feel, I, yeah. I, I feel like it's going to be very, very difficult. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but. Are you excited? I am. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, you know. You know I'm it's the, the best of times. It's the worst of times. Uh, mm -hmm. A tale of two cities, and that's what the Lord has shown me. And so, I used to, I used to really worry about the last days, and I didn't want the last days to come. Like I didn't want to have to suffer. I didn't want to go through all these bad things. But I, I realized, like, I have to give that all over to God. I don't need to worry about that. He's gonna. He, mm -hmm. he said he would take care of us. Mm -hmm. I don't care how bad and gloom and doom it looks like when you read the prophetic languages of the prophets. When they get through their doom and gloom. It always turns the corner and says, but say unto my people, yes. it will be well with you. I will take care of you. I will lead you to streams of living water. I will feed you, you know, even as I fed the Israelites. You, yeah. It's like we, my favorite is we set, must set come up to the table before your enemies, you know. Yes. <laughs> so now we're not going to get that because we're the member of a particular church organization and pay tithes. We get that because we have that personal relationship with God. We know him and we're hearkening to his voice. And when we do, he will lead us. He will take care of us. And mm -hmm. and we all know where we're going. So we're not headed to one certain kind of organization. No one's coming to join the Church of Christ Restored. I can tell you that. This is not the answer. I don't want anybody to come and jo go join our church. I mean, we welcome you in the congregation, but that's this is not where it's headed. It's mm -hmm. one shepherd and one sheepfold and and it's him it's the lord himself and that we're going to gather to and that's what makes us all one not because i'm in your church or you're in my church yeah in a man-made you know. institution maybe yeah. inspired by god you know and i'm sure they have their they're purposes. not all bad there's good right. things in them but the, here's the thing that i've heard it said the enemy of of 
great is good or something like that. Oh, I, yes. that, may, that may not be the right thing. Yeah, I but, know but the here's concept. The, here's the thing. We're never going to have Zion, never going to have the new Jerusalem, and we're never going to walk in the powers of heaven, even if it took a thousand years of walking the way we are right now in our institutional churches, doing the things we've been doing. I don't care how many buildings they build. I don't care how many temples there are. I don't care how many members you get. You're never going to have Zion. You're still just got one foot in the world. We're not really doing it his way. It's not really the kingdom way. So something else has to happen. We're going to have to go beyond that. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Amen. Yeah. I am so glad to hear you verbalize that because it's a feeling that that I've had and that my friends have had, and but we don't know exactly what needs to be changed. You know, I, I yeah. talk to people about the church and, and, and they're just like, well, they're teaching about Christ and people follow Christ. And I, I don't really know what to say sure. to that. I'm just but like, have you, uh, have you met him? Yes. Have okay. you heard his voice? Do you know him? Do people think they can? You can't. Right. You can you meet can. him. You can have an encounter with the living God. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what we need to do. Yes. And do whatever it takes to do that. And the Book of Mormon is a really good place to, to go to find out how to go do that. And, yes. Many examples yeah. of people who did that, that, the pouring out of their souls. And, you know, yeah, there's there's more. <laughs> there's more. Well, I know we're coming up on 12 o'clock and I've got this meeting I'm supposed to have with someone at 1230. So I know I'm going oh, to have to leave. But... <laughs> It's been so, I am so, so grateful to be able to have this time. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It, it was fun. And and I would love to hear, well, we'll just look forward to more podcasts and okay. just know that that um, there's people that need what you're teaching. And God and knows that. Well, they need what you're teaching. Yes. They need to hear your testimony. So let's do this again sometime. Okay. You and I, because I think this is a good thing. I, first of all, it's fun having someone else host. That was great. <laughs> Takes a little pressure off me. But even if it's even if it's neither one of us hosting, if it's just a conversation we're having, yeah, and we, we just come back and do that. Conversations. We yeah, I'd them. love to do that. That would be great. And and I love how you know moving here to Missouri, God has opened my eyes to so many things that you know, just were not even on my radar before at all. Yeah. And he's working in your life. He's got a he plan. Is, you don't know is. where it's all going yet, but it's going somewhere, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> somewhere good. <laughs> I know it will be. I know. It, and yep. it is, it's, it's joyful. It's great. It's so it good is. to, to talk to you. So yeah, let's do it again. I love it. Okay. This is my favorite topic by far. My sister and I, every, every morning, Okay, what did you study? What did you learn today? And you know, she's she's coming from mm -hmm. a past where she was about ready to give up her belief in God. I know? understand why people would. Yeah. So, I almost did one time. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, and I got to join you in one of your uh, Sunday conversations one of these times. That would be fun. Okay. Yeah, be, we'd love have it. Have me in as a surprise. Surprise. Okay, guest. totally. Well, <laughs> I'll I'll just send you a Zoom link and then you can okay. join. That okay. would be so fun. That'd be awesome. It'd <laughs> be so great. They would yeah. love it. They'd love it. Yeah, I'd love to listen in. So. Oh yeah, we we go all over the place. I mean. Good. I, that's and yeah. that's with Isaiah, do. man, you just he doesn't he doesn't mince any words for sure. Mm. No. <laughs> great value his words are. Yes. Too. Yes. So. 
Anyway, well, I know you need to go. Thank you so much. All right. Well, God bless you. You too. (laughs)